Hello and welcome back to another episode of League Talk, the podcast all about management, coaching and all things League of Legends. My name is AJ and on today's podcast we have Connor who is now officially the head coach uh, for Phelan Gaming going into the next split in the UKLC. So welcome Connor, thank you ever so much for your time, I appreciate you coming on. Um, why don't you give everyone a little introduction about yourself? Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so my name is Connor Fitzpatrick, the head coach of Phelan for the upcoming UKLC split. Um, I'm 23, living around London, and wow, like making the step up the head coach this season is so exciting for me. Awesome. Um, Great, because obviously you were working, so last split you were with Eminem, I believe, and you were an assistant yeah, coach right. for Eminem, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so assistant coach at Eminem last split. That was really like my first step up to what I would call like a really established org, like okay. the big stage, you know, relative to our level. Mm hmm. Um, before that, I'd been in and around like a couple of European teams. Um, actually, worked with Phelan in the past for the yeah. first 40 champions in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, in a lot of ways, it's like returning home here. Yeah. Um, worked with Inferno, an Italian team. Then a few other bits and bobs. Actually, got my first uh, my first coaching gig with my university team at York Uni. Nice. Um, with like came out of playing through the New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically from the grassroots up. Awesome, because, you know, this is one thing that I, I feel is super, super interesting. Going from, uh, put it this way, in esports, a lot of people don't really get the ideas of head coaches, assistant coaches, what do they do, is it a manager? Because, you know, when you look at things from traditional sports and you look at football or soccer, depending on where you're listening from, um, in England we have managers. And managers are mm. often referred to as the coach, who is also the manager, who also, you know, the, it's, it's a bit of an unusual job description. So oh, absolutely. moving from assistant coach to head coach, is, is a, it's a big change. So number one, like, how do you feel going into this new role? And, and what are the sort of further responsibilities and the job description of a, of a head coach comparative to an assistant coach? Well, it's a lot to unpack there, really, because I've always felt that these terms are very... Oh, they're so like wish-washy like yeah. they mean very different things to different people and you know i tried to specialize in being an assistant coach mm -hmm. my mindset was will i improve more by being a head coach of a lower ranked team mm -hmm. and you know kind of winging it and making it up as i go along mm -hmm. or would i improve faster as an assistant coach under someone who's more experienced sure with like higher quality players and i you know, that was part of me joining M&M last bit, like an opportunity to learn from a head coach like Pad, mm -hmm. um, from some of the experienced players we had over there. Um, but now to get back to your question, like me stepping up to head coach, um, everyone has a different approach. It's not like a right or wrong way to do it, mm -hmm. but I'm very much see myself as a facilitator to split. Like ev everything I do is going to be intentionally with the aim of making others around me flourish, like others around mm -hmm. me look good. And that's from from my backroom staff to my players. It's very much about like them having an opportunity to show their experience and learn from each other rather than me being a teacher. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting way because myself being a traditional sports coach, a lot of traditional sports, for example, when I'm coaching tennis, it's very much like this is how you do this. If you do this, it will make your forehand better. When you're doing your serve, if you think about the ball toss in this way rather than that way, it's it's very much an information dump comparative to when you coach something like football, which is less information dumping and more facilitating i believe that's i think that's a it's a sort of coaching style shift isn't it but i think maybe that is something to do with the the esports versus traditional sports landscape as well maybe um but in terms yeah, of well, go on he well, i would say actually even within esports mm. you got to pick your moments because both both have merit mm -hmm. 
um, I consider myself a very structured and regimented style coach. Mm-hmm. So perhaps if my players weren't quite so experienced and quite so good mm. as I'm fortunate to have, mm-hmm. um, then it might be more a case of, right, here's our curriculum for the year mm-hmm. and here's what we want to cover in order. But, you know, recently I've been thinking about, like, actually, I'm very lucky to have people whose game knowledge is better than mine. Yeah. Like, how lucky is that? Mm. Um, and so it's about being the guy who asks the right questions mm-hmm. and make sure that make sure that we're coming to a perfect solution as efficiently as possible. Mm. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, often when it comes to, you know, if, if you're a, a coach for someone who is just new to a sport, new to esports, or you're coaching someone who's silver and you're challenger, it's going to be a very easy process. But it's suddenly a very strange dynamic, isn't it? And I think it's something that's been a bit of a theme throughout League of Legends, and uh, it's significantly better now. But from what I understand, three, four, five years ago, it was a bit different, where your coach might not be challenger, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you should disrespect your coach or you should respect the coach any less. It's just... This person's going to know different things in terms of the right way to go about certain aspects of the game. So it might be that you're going to facilitate communication. But I'm interested to see what you were... when In terms of facilitation, what are you looking to unpack with, with that? Facilitation is a broad concept, mm. but um, it's basically me being open with my players and with myself and... You know, okay, put it this way. If I ask my players that they need to VOD review uh, their Serlicu games mm-hmm. or like their competitive game, well, what's the equivalent for me? Mm-hmm. I need to listen back to all of my conversations with players and ask myself, did I move it in a positive direction okay. the be- to the best of my ability? Mm. Like, that's my version. And that's what I mean by being a facilitator is the guy who moves us towards, I, I kind of, it's possible for me to have authority and structure mm-hmm but not necessarily have all of the answers. Yeah. That, and actually, um, I spoke with Veteran about this, the former H2K head coach, mm-hmm. and he his advice to me was like, actually, you have to be, if I do become a facilitator, I have to be very careful about whether about whenever I do offer an opinion. Because mm. that better be bloody right. <laughs> or, because, you know, then I'm getting into a murky area. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely, like, a lot of intentional thought going to go into everything I do with my players. Because mm. it's interesting. One of the big sort of, there's a bunch of different coaching techniques, isn't there? And when, when it comes to facilitating, um, especially when your knowledge might not be up there, things like asking the right questions is important as well, I presume. And I, I think that's something that maybe you'll be unpacking in this split as well, asking the right questions. Not necessarily just saying this was the wrong thing to do here, but instead, mm. do you think this is the right thing to do here? Could we have done this instead? Is like a huge change in the way, especially when it comes to uh, when I've coached people who are better at tennis than me, that's something that I'll, you'll be thinking about. It's like rather than uh, hitting a backhand cross court here, what if you went for an inside out forehand down the line? Does that change anything? Does that make the game better? And just making your, your players think as well, I, I guess, is somewhere that you'll be going um, in the coming sort of weeks, months and in the split. It just suddenly occurred to me how um, the terminology we use in League of Legends can be so alien to people who aren't in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> because with that tennis, re- tennis reference, I was just gone. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's, no, it's a really like, it's a good example you use because, um, yeah, that is what I mean by being a facilitator. Mm. And this is, I try to be adaptable. Like a good head coach should be well-rounded enough to flick these switches on and off yeah. depending on the team they have. 
Um, and so what I've tried to, this is a consequence of the people around me. I've been fortunate enough to bring in a very experienced strategic coach mm-hmm. whose strengths and weaknesses match up really well to cover mine. Yeah. And for example, I've got really experienced lead, like leaders within my team. Mm-hmm. So it would be a losing endeavor for me to even attempt to say, I have the authority to teach you uh, how you should have played this out better. Like, yeah. they, I see it like this. There's, there's what I would come up with on my own. Mm-hmm. There's what each player would come up with on their own. There's perfection, and then there's what we can do together. Yeah. And I think what like what we're trying to do is together get as close to perfection as possible. Yeah, understood. It makes it makes a lot of sense as well. And you know, facilitating growth is super super important. Uh, but obviously, on M M&M and last split, it was you were working with Pad, who was. Um, he was known pretty well for his drafts, right? He was drafting. I presume you learned a lot in terms of drafting. Uh, dra- draft King Pad, of yeah. course. No, we, we actually like um, learned so much from him. He's mm. just head- he's just headed off to a gaming house in Spain yeah. with XX this year. I'm very very happy for him. Yeah. He's a top quality lad, and was a pleasure to work with him. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. I had him on the podcast a couple of times as well. He he came on for sort of an informational episode about drafting, like a drafting 101. So that mm-hmm. was super interesting to listen to. Um, but, and actually, uh, like a, the, the really interesting thing about the drafting is like, as as his assistant coach, mm-hmm. it was very much on me to to um, match myself up with his style. Okay. Like that, as like as someone who he specialised in being an assistant coach, mm-hmm. or for a time at for a time at least, like I really wanted to just follow his lead yeah and pad pad's a very instinctive person mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. and that came out in his drafts in a way where it was like it's all in his head yeah which is not a good or a bad thing yeah but yeah. it's not that's not that's not my style mm-hmm. um and so actually it was fantastic to, to see somebody from the other side of the spectrum like like flourish like yeah he's so bloody talented <laughs> when it comes to the instinctive like actually Oh, they've done they've done this this and this. I'd really love this pick, mm-hmm. and it's not like whereas I in my head I might be following some sort of flowchart. Mm-hmm. Him, it's like A and B, therefore F. Like yeah. he's he's getting, like <laughs> and mean. he's like he's so genius when it comes to that. But like I can't. That's not for everyone, really. Of course, but is is drafting something you'll be taking up this split? Is that uh, yes, it will. Yes, it will. Awesome. Um, we 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 like to be very open minded, right? Mm-hmm. So for now. And this 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 example of like a workflow should kind of show what I'm about as yeah. a head coach. Um, my strategic coach and I uh, will basically have our plans and map it out together. And her job is to make sure I'm as good as I can be, mm-hmm. and given all of the information needed. Mm-hmm. And the plan is for me to do all the drafts. But we've got the relationship where, oh, actually, if it turns out I'm really rubbish at it, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid, mm-hmm. then we can change things around. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I, f- I think the um, my play, my pl- what my players would say is that I ask a lot of questions in draft, mm. like, um, and just basically, I'm really like, it's an interesting time we have this conversation because I'm currently like studying how to get better at drafting myself, sure. and I'm taking the approach that I really need to be efficient and concise with all of the words I use in the limited time. Mm. Like if I'm if I'm streamlined, if I'm like if I'm like. Uh, if I'm like you know blue side and we're doing our first pick mm-hmm. and we're like first pick in a mid top flex mm-hmm. I might already be asking my jungler like my jungler like hey I'm looking for a blind pick tank engage that you can sure. do in like second pick you know start thinking about that mm-hmm. 
uh, just as an example with a bit of a tangent yeah no no i think that's interesting as well because what you're doing there is uh you're sort of delegating that's the word i'm after you're sort of delegating Dele- yeah. that that responsibility over then we can come back and talk about it i, I think that's a, a really really good strategy shines nicely on on your management style as well so that's really good and um, obviously drafting isn't the easiest thing to do and it rely it does rely a lot on your team for a bunch of different reasons but when you when it comes to studying drafting and, and learning more about that how how do you do that because this is a question that a lot of people have and maybe you can shine a little bit of light on that as you're going through the process because you know there's okay if you want to learn about philosophy and you love Descartes maybe that's that's your the greatest philosopher in your opinion you go to university, you do a course, you study at school, for example. League of Legends, if you're interested in learning about drafting, you can't exactly go onto a drafting 101 course, is there? So when it comes no, to exactly. learning a little bit more about that, how, how do you go about doing that? Well, in in this way, like I've kind of learned through mistakes. Okay. Um, so at our level, we see quite a common trend and it's, you know, not something I've I've learned that it's bad in general mm-hmm. is just blindly copying things that you see in top yeah. leagues, right? Like the t- the standard is like, oh, SKT picked this. I, g- I guess I guess we play we're these champions now, boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna pick all the same champions in the same order, mm-hmm. uh, just and against a completely different comp, mm-hmm. um, and expect the same results. Like it's it's a bit it's a bit weird to me. Yeah, um, doesn't make sense, does it? So I, my current approach is that. Uh, it needs to be a very the whole team needs to be on the same page where possible mm-hmm. so for example we're planning out our weekly schedule and whenever a new patch drops something like this mm-hmm. we're planning to do um like team patch patch review and like do like 20 pick bands together just yeah. talking it through as a team and like have our strategic coach draft the enemy mm-hmm. like in this in this little example like we just use it as a springboard or a platform to get players talking yeah you know, mm-hmm. the more questions I can ask players to draw knowledge out of their head yeah. and get it out into public view, mm-hmm. the more that we can get the play. Like our top, our, wait, our top lane is like, no, no, no. I think Aatrox is broken, and I, yeah. our jungle is like, no, that champion is really, really not strong. Yeah, it's like, well, why do these two players think different things? Mm-hmm. Like, how can we put their experiences together and come to a conclusion? And then it's like, okay, there is some disagreement here. Now we know what we need to go away and experiment with. Yeah, interesting. So it's sort of uh, withdrawing knowledge from other people and putting yourself in that position. Sort of a trial by fire in a strange way. Um, but yeah, that, that idea about the SKT stuff to me is really, really interesting because um, I don't know if you follow football much, if you're much of a football fan. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, my, my, yeah, my uncle was a, a coach for the Irish FA. So. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because, you know, maybe uh, probably about five, six, seven years ago when Pep Guardiola was managing Barcelona and the whole tiki-taka movement was a mm-hmm, massive mm-hmm. thing. So for those who don't know what that was, it was basically a style of football where you're passing the ball an awful lot, uh, making your opponents tired, bypassing the ball a lot and keeping possession, looking for the little openings. You didn't really see, you know, Woking Town FC, no disrespect to them, but you didn't really see Woking just go, yeah, let's play that style. Let's do that. Because it doesn't fit necessarily to their their, uh, abilities. It doesn't fit necessarily to their uh, positives and negatives as a team. And it's pretty difficult to pull off, you know, in in the right way. And it's a weird transition looking at it from League of Legends and and being like, uh, okay, so SKT are playing this. They're playing 1-3-1. They're... Flex picking rise into top or mid. Um, let's do that. Mm. 
and you know maybe maybe that is the optimal thing to be doing at the moment maybe maybe that's the way to go but it's it doesn't always map very well necessarily to your players in certain scenarios maybe your top laner doesn't really play right so it's not really a flex pick and maybe yeah that yeah so, so like the, the the key the key of how i like compare these two things is that you have to look at the characteristics and strengths and weaknesses sure. of the players you happen to have mm-hmm. right like um some some football managers are lucky enough to have their preferred style and when they come into a team they have like you know three or three to five years to rebuild it yeah. and like pick their squads and what we see in esports is a lot more short term sure right like i'm gonna i'm realistically i'm only gonna have my roster for four months mm. yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and then we part ways mm-hmm. um so re- you really need to that so that means you don't have much time to instill completely new things or widen champion pools yeah. to such extremes right mm-hmm. so if we think about like tiki taka or like gigan press it's like can every team in the world do this yeah. uh no <laughs> yeah. no but if you happen to have fast strikers with really high stamina and yeah. good work ethic and who are disciplined mm-hmm. then guy compressing is going to win your game yeah uh, and it, you know it's it's about are you a team who's trying to avoid relegation mm-hmm. or are you a team who's trying to win a championship yeah um you know it's actually haven't made that con- comparison much before it's interesting mm. and it, it's it's weird because that's sort of how my brain works and i've always been in traditional sports and have been for pretty much all my life and it's the last year that I've been really really getting into esports so probably 12 I've been playing for like three four years League of Legends and and been around watching it for probably two three but only the last year that I've been really getting into the esports side and applying the thing so that's it's a weird way how my brain works but it does sort of go that way no no um, I mean it matches up really well actually yeah. because just to wrap it up like um god if you're just blindly trying to copy a, uh, copy a Korean draft mm. and it relies on you playing split push yeah but your top laner like only plays, only plays tank. Mm. He's gonna have a hard time like yeah. learning split push out of nowhere in mm. a very limited time with limited resources. Yeah, um, makes sense. So yeah, it's actually it's actually a fine comparison. Yeah, makes a lot of sense because um, obviously feeling last split, it wasn't the best split for them. I'm sure a lot of people in the organization were disappointed, um, which would imply that there needs to be some change right whether that's roster change whatever um, i'm more interested in the sort of changes that you'll be bringing to feel and obviously learning a lot from m&m and being in italy things like that i'm sure you've got like a nice little taste of different scenes and different play styles different mm. managerial styles all, all that sort of stuff so personally what are you looking to change maybe internally in in terms of yourself or externally in terms of the way the team works the way the organization's dealing with things um for feeling so the the, the changes uh, that you'll be implementing or hoping to implement well i mean the first thing i'd say on this is that um if i if i remember correctly feeling came six mm. out of nine and to be honest as a new team and stepping up to the uklc yeah like clearly we i was i was with them during forty champions 2018 mm-hmm. the fact that this irish organization went through the application process made it into the league and managed to come above relegation yeah this to me it's like I would say from the outside, like clearly I wasn't with the team at this time, but like mm-hmm. I would say that they kind of put a good front foot forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like, good point. You know, actually. you can you could you could make a case that like they could have picked up a few more, like a couple more wins. Like mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, they had three wins in the season. Um it's actually very close between them and Enclave for who would be the fifth best team and they never yeah. got to face each other head to head. Yeah. How mad is that? System works, is it? Um Wow, well, they got to face each other in Forge Champions anyway, so yeah. that's the important thing. Uh, and where feeling came out, mm-hmm. um, 
But no, just in terms of um, what's, what, what changes I'm bringing in, um, well, it's basically just a culture switch, to be honest. Okay. Like, um, the way I maybe if I take take a start from the beginning a little bit, mm -hmm. when around the time that I the Forty Champions ended with Eminem, mm -hmm. I took a step back and thought, what have I learned so far? Yeah. Okay, what's gone well? What hasn't gone well? Mm -hmm. And I had a reflexive period of thinking, like, having now that I thought about this, what would I do differently? Mm -hmm. And I started to think about, of all of the ways I could use my time, what I would love to do is pick the people I work with. Mm -hmm. So my first step was reaching out to people whose opinion I respect and I'd, and I'd like to work with. Yep. And the kind of people I started bringing together were all very into, you know, well-structured debate, you know? Sure. Communication's very important to us. We really Absolutely. want to, all, everybody, every member of staff on this team Want, is very willing to engage in civil discourse that gets to the bottom of really complex issues, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that is just like a massive culture switch. Like we're not like we can, you and I could disagree entirely on option A yeah. and like get stuck into why we disagree, but then it comes to option B and we've, you know, we move on. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry, it's like issue B, like. A bit of a ramble there, but like it should show kind of what I'm about. No, I, I get it. It makes a, makes a lot of sense. And I, I guess it's a difficult thing because esports being such a, for want of a better term, like an immature uh, uh, sort of region in terms of... Sure. You know, okay, Wait, I mean, by the way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not naive enough to think that I have all the answers or I'm like... Of course, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. It's yeah, like yeah. really, like I, um, I really am winging it sure. in a lot of ways. But the it. important thing is that I'm aware of this yeah. and... I'm constantly trying to learn on how it's going. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I think the thing with esports is because it's so new, comparative to things like traditional sports, or whatever, darts, snooker, pool, or you name it. Um, I think a lot of people in the region and the scene don't really know exactly the right thing to do in terms of the players. And I think the more the education comes, the more people like yourself are in there and getting involved and looking for that civil discourse, as you say. Because people aren't used to that. You, you think of how solo queue goes. How many civil discourses do you reckon go on in a day-to-day -day from solo queue? Probably like less than 5% of the conversations are civil in terms of if there's a disagreement, you don't exactly like type it out. Oh, fair enough, mate. I do think you're right. Maybe this could work instead. That's not something that really happens. <laughs> so it's not it's not like the players get a lot of practice unless they're in their team environment where something like that's happening. So I think it's a positive culture shift. I do believe that the route to any change is through communication, and uh, the importance of that is vast. Um, maybe it was a, quite a bit more difficult on feeling last year. Obviously, this is something that I think would be good to talk about and. I don't want you to give any names away or any uh, roles away or anything like that. But you guys did, uh, or Phelan did last year, were the only team that were fielding a 10-man roster. They didn't necessarily yes. use the 10-man roster fully. Uh, it wasn't well, always being you know, subbed in and out on stage. That's the, the, the LEC team. They had a bit of a 10-man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phelan was quite unique. You're right. Yeah, and uh, and you didn't exactly see five different people every week it wasn't always being subbed in and out like that that's not to say that the 10-man roster wasn't working I'm sure the 10-man roster is something that um, offers more to the people involved than it does to those who are looking on you know those who uh, don't see the sub jungler coming in every game or every other game um, oh, that doesn't work then and that's of course not the case and I think it's a right. massive oversight on a lot of people to say that uh, they're not using their 10-man roster 
because I think that's a load of rubbish, to be honest with you. Well, you I've got no I've got quite a, a unique perspective on this because okay. I was kind of watching from the outside last mm. clip, and um, for example, I spoke to the Fielder owner Wings mm-hmm. uh, around the time he was roster building last split, and he was saying how like essentially we have to have a few substitutes. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't it be wouldn't it, wouldn't it make more sense to have one for every position? Sure. And with that as your starting place, it's actually like quite a wholesome or like, you know, it seems like quite yeah, a positive absolutely. endeavor. Like we're absolutely. not out here trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, and so from that perspective, like I could see why they did it and it does have advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happened in practice is just politics. Politics got in the way of the, of the, sure. of the project succeeding and like there's no need to go into detail or anything, but everybody listening can imagine the difficulties that come along with having a 10-man roster. Yeah. Um, so it is what it is. Um, now that now that it is my project, um, you know, I'm not that way inclined. Mm-hmm. I think that I really want to start with five court, five players, and that be the core. Mm-hmm. And you know, should anything come along, a great a great free agent is still available, and we pick up a sub, then yeah, you know that that like I can't really today. I can't really see us having a situation where we promise a sub like playing time mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anything, but. I'm more inclined to give somebody like, hey, rather than you sit in the split out, why don't you come in? You can watch our scrims, like be involved yeah. in feedback sessions and, and the analysis, like and learn that way. Mm. No, I like that. I think it's, you know, the the option for a sub, an option for ten man rosters is is a wonderful thing, and it, it, I do believe in it. I think it is a good thing to do. Maybe ten man is a <laughs> yeah. bit excessive. Maybe seven man is the right thing. I, I don't know the exact numbers. And oh, I, no, I think it, it scales with it scales with your team's resources and, and expertise yeah. and experience and. For me, making the step of the head coach, like uh, I don't want to bite off too much yeah, of at course. once. Of course, because the thing, you know, especially when you're online as well, and you have no physical like practice location, you're not living in a gaming house, you don't have an office or anything like that. Subs and ten man rosters is probably more work um, than it can produce good, especially if you're online. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. I, I don't know myself. That's my, maybe is my opinion. I do believe in the well, substance. Well, while, while we're talking about it, something I would add is that um, there is a lot of short-termism in esports, like mm. one-split contracts and such. Yeah, yeah. So one of the nice things you can do with with subs is try and you know have a pipeline for up-and-coming talent mm-hmm. that you know you've kind of got under your wing. Yeah, and you see that it. you know about and you trust. Mm. Like, um, that to me is the biggest selling point of having subs uh, at, at this level of resources mm-hmm. and I, I think the next sort of topic leads really really nicely uh, into what we were just saying there about the short termisms of esports and and how it is seems to be such a short-term focus why that's the case um i'm not entirely sure i think it's a an immaturity thing potentially maybe it's a resources thing i have absolutely no idea um, um mostly i would say like it's in the player's interest right now sure. to keep their options open yeah i think that unless you're unless you're getting paid big bucks yeah (laughs) there is no reason to sign more than the one split contract because Mm -hmm. you just increase the risk of something going wrong yeah but i guess what that does is is it makes teams shake their rosters up and and not Mm. through their own volition not through their own choice um but a lot of uh, you see roster to roster split to split it's probably not going to be the same five 
pretty likely to say that probably will be less than three people stay on and uh, it was something that we spoke a little bit about earlier a lot of players don't necessarily this is what you were explaining to me um, it's not like they stay on and this is a really interesting topic I think that you were talking about it's not like let's say uh, let's take it to the the big levels it's maybe uh, actually maybe that's not the best way to do it but players don't necessarily stay on the team they will explore options they might go through trials they might do this they might do that so in essence when teams have the same player as they did last split it doesn't mean that they've just like sat back and relaxed you know it has been a proper process no. to find these things out um, but many teams have lost big names the likes of Mumus who was I think my opinion was the best performing um, um, top laner last split um, has left MLA very... Very good friend of mine as well. I really enjoyed working with him. I, I wish him all brilliant. the best in Brazil. Yeah, he's off to Brazil, isn't he? And, you know, the likes of Inax, who is now playing for Unicorns of Love in their Russian team, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a big a lot, move. A lot of teams have lost big names um, and they've gone to other regions, other teams. How do you feel the feel and roster is going to do? Do you think that um, this big names leaving is giving Phelan and the likes uh, a better chance, a more interesting split, one that is going to be a bit more competitive, maybe? Well, the first thing to say is that now, like from the outside, I never, I'd never realised personally that, you know, every player looks for team after every split. Yeah. Almost, almost, almost every. Um, and so I thought it was all very simple. And now, when I moved up to head coach and had to deal with the trial process and everything, mm-hmm. I was like, bloody hell! I've got so <laughs> much more respect for the managers and yeah. the, if you like get to show them, you do it well, like. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to uh, Officer Naughty at Eminem, yeah. who was just an absolute legend when it yeah. came to getting 15 people online together on, on time. Like, um, Gosh, so can you repeat the question, please? So yeah, it was just talking a little bit about with those big names leaving, the importance right. of that, how that's going to pan out for the rest of the split. Do you think it's going to be yeah, more yeah. competitive, better chances for the likes of Thielen? So players, uh, there are some big names like taking a split break or, or, or leaving the league and mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, it's sad because I grew I I grew up like not not grew up, but you know over the last few years I've really grown to like a lot of these guys sure. and like respect them as players. So it's sad to see them go. But on the other hand, I'm really happy that there's more rookies who are gonna like get their moment in the limelight. Yeah, get their chance to pop off and show that they're the next up and coming player. Um, I think that. In a like in a selfish way, like it's really nice for us at Feeling because um, we we are hoping to like our, our our goal for the split is to be top four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time this comes out, our roster may not have been released. So you know, I guess like watch your space and uh, hopefully when you see my roster, like you'll see why our goals are this high. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, certainly like like. Some of the teams around us, like drop, like losing a few of their better players, like yeah. certainly gives us a bit more comfort in, in making that prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it's going to be a long season, and like we know we've got a lot of hard work ahead of us. But um, yeah, we reckon we could be up there. We hope so. Awesome. And I guess it's it's twice as difficult most of the time. I presume. I don't know for a fact, but I presume the uh, LVP is sticking with their uh, tower system up, up to the next split. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, as as it's a difficult one and uh, there's been a lot of debate around it I've voiced my opinions uh, I think personally it makes everything more difficult for everyone involved in the actual game in terms of the staff in terms of the players um, you guys don't get an awful lot of time to prepare for things 
unless you're preparing weeks in advance for something that might happen or might not happen if that makes sense um, right because a lot of times you don't know your opponent until uh the the night before maybe or literally it can be 24 hours before or less than so it makes it very difficult do you feel that that's going to be something that you guys are focusing a lot on or do you think you're going to take it a bit more moment by moment step by step or more long term okay this is going to happen if this happens this might happen you know mm, well first of all on the tower format mm. i think it's it's clear that there was a riot like initiative or riot instruction to make make the broadcast more casual friendly mm -hmm. And I can only I can only endorse that. Yeah. I really feel like to keep the grassroots of esports in the UK growing, we need an endemic UK fan base. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we're competing with the LCS and the LEC mm -hmm. um, for watch hours. Mm -hmm. So, what can what can the UK do differently to get the eyeballs? Yeah. Well, we're going to be a more casual friendly stream. Mm -hmm. Fine by me, and that goes with the format and 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 you know the broadcast. Mm -hmm. Um, as a yeah, you're right, you know you're right to point out as a coach, the format is difficult to work with. Yeah, um, it is. It just adds like more complexity, mm -hmm. which is not inherently better or worse. Yeah, I've certainly had my frustrations with it. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're if they're getting people to watch our team play, yeah, then you know that's the only thing that's important to me. I suppose it's the sponsors, the eyeballs as well. You know, the more eyes there are on the stream, the more likely there is for sponsors to pick things up, to be more involved, um, and more money in the industry and more sponsors, more eyes is always going to be positive and it, you know, benefits everyone all the way around. Um, but sort of coming to the end now, there's a, a couple of things that I find really, really interesting to talk about. And I'd like to talk about your aims and your goals. So you, you mentioned that you're hoping to get top four for Phelan. Is there anything else? So, for example, um, I was going to ask you what you realistically want to achieve with the roster you've assembled. But fourth is probably the answer to that in the top four or fourth. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but the UKLC didn't quite go how people thought it would last split. Best of Ones makes it very volatile. Uh, it makes it super interesting to watch. The likes of Fnatic lost, the likes of XL lost, all the big names were losing. It wasn't like it was a perfect split for anyone. So uh, mm -hmm. in terms of your next split with Thielen, what are your aims? That could be personal, it could be professional, it could be for the team, whatever that may be, your aims and goals. Sure. Um, well, I'll start with what is probably the most individual goal because it's like very personal to me. Mm -hmm. Um if I want to be emotionally stable across the whole split, yeah. right? Like that's really fundamental to me. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, I've had uh, ups and downs in my life over the last few years. And to me, moving up to a head, being a head coach, like I had to feel like I was ready for that responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and so for me to lead by example, like it's important that I don't have big ups and downs in emotional stability. Mm-hmm. It's like that's number one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not like uh, I'm confident I can do it. It's just one of those things where like I can't take it for granted, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, more in terms of like in game stuff, um, I want to be able to say I improved my players by this much on these things. Mm -hmm. um, like that kind of goes overlooked a lot at this level of my experience mm -hmm. like um 
you know, what value did we add as coaches over the course of the split? Oh, well, we made them better. Yeah, sure. But what about, what about them that got better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to be able to say that very clearly and have all of our players be on the same page. Like, you know, do you agree you got better at this? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, fantastic. Then we did good here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or you didn't. Oh, then we must have made a mistake somewhere. How could we do it better next time? Um, that's that. And then something I, I've been asking my players and thinking about myself is just what sort of things would I like people to say about me later? Yeah. And for me, it's things like, I want people to say that feeling are not scared of their opponents. Like mm-hmm. when they play against big names, they don't become risk averse. Yeah, they step away. up to the yeah. plate, you know? Like I want people to say that we were like, we we clearly played with confidence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really big one for me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. No, I think, uh, so firstly, I think everyone listening, including myself, who's uh, partaking in the conversation, will appreciate the sort of the candid nature that you've had throughout this podcast and being honest about, you know, the emotional ups and downs and being stable and uh, uh, that that's something the honesty and the the truth there is very much appreciated. So, thank you for for sharing that. Um, now, it's pretty much brought to the end of the podcast, and I, I actually didn't explain this to you, which is completely my fault. So, I can give you a little bit of time to think about it if that helps. Um, but I often ask people at the end of the podcast, is there anything you can teach me or the viewers from your world? And that can be absolutely anything. When I had um, Vicek on, he taught everyone a little bit of Polish. I've had people come on and teach uh, their favorite quote, for example. Uh, it could be a thought that you've been having recently, just like the last one. What do you want people to think about you? What are you mm. looking for? Sort of resonates nicely with uh, um, a lot of people talking about the people at their funeral. You know, this is something that has been in my head a little bit. How many people would turn up to your funeral? How many lives have you impacted? How much good have you done? A sort of things that I've been thinking about recently. But it could be uh, just a little discussion around a, a book or a TV show that you've read, uh, read or watched okay, recently. Okay, okay, interesting. Is there anything you can think of off the top of your head? If not, not a problem. Because well, it was it's it's sure. kind of it's kind of like a, a topic mm-hmm. to bring up or something that's been on my mind a lot recently is um, what gives me the right to try and tell other people how to live their lives mm. or like influence other people's lives mm-hmm. like nothing inherently yeah um and so do i feel comfortable doing it mm. and for me i really like had to go kind of like back to the foundations and think like when i when people when human beings interact like our goal should be to make each other better mm-hmm. that that's my like that is very core to me yeah um i think the having these like this little league of legends online subculture mm-hmm. is like really like an isolated random you know place in the yeah. world yeah but it's been a great home for me and i think that the support uh, the support network of friends i've met through this industry mm-hmm. have been incredible uh and kind of the thing i would like to to leave with other people is like try and ask hard questions to your friends and you know teammates in the, in, the, in this industry and like try and you know, in, in trying to help somebody else's situation, like yeah. they try to help you, like it, it just becomes a more like productive and wholesome like place to be. Yeah, and I That's... think probably <laughs> achieves a lot more than any other tactic, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. I really like that. So yeah, I appreciate you for sharing with that. Apologies for dropping well, got, that on you last minute. Got, it's okay. I've got a question for you actually. Go ahead. Because you've I've been listening to your show for a while, and you you know you, you uh you've spoken to a lot of interesting people, mm. and so us having 
have that conversation now? Like, is there any piece of advice you have for me or like things you think I should know going into the split? Ooh, good question. I like that. I think the thing that I'm learning more and more from everyone is conversation communication is hands down the most important thing for everyone especially being online getting to know the people that you're around getting to know your team getting to know your players the the people that you're working with is really key and communication should never be something that's overlooked even if it's a five minute check-in with your players just to see how everything's going is there anything that you can help with the question that i try and ask everyone that comes on the podcast for the and i will ask the same to you Um, when we finish is you've given your time to come onto this podcast and helped me is there anything at all I can help with because if the answer is yes I will endeavour to do it as quickly and as as properly as humanly possible it's a question that I try and ask as much as I can just to make sure that you know that if you need anything I'm happy to help Um, and I think that sort of level of candid open communication is wholly beneficial and something that should never be overlooked but that's my opinion yeah, no, I think I it's know. a really interesting topic, like, because I, I've seen firsthand some people in this space, like, try to tear down others' achievements, mm. or, like, when others make a mistake, try to make them feel bad about Absolutely. it, or, like, use it to make themselves feel better, and, you know, that's really not my style. Mm-hmm. I, th- I just, um, Yeah, I, I think that should be apparent, at least. <laughs> Absolutely, and, I, and the thing that I always try and do is um, to anyone that is listening to the podcast, a part of the podcast, I try to give more than I take. Um, mm-hmm. And if I, if at the end of the day I get into bed and I've given more and I've helped more people than have, uh, you know, I've taken from, then I think that that's the that's the sort of goal for me in my day to day, and that's something that I keep trying to do as much as humanly possible. So. Yeah, that's they're worth to live by. Thank you. Right. <laughs> no well, look, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate your time. That sort of wraps up all the questions I had for you. Um, I think the conversation has been fantastic. I think, um, from my perspective, from a man of traditional sports and coaching, I think you you've got a bright bright split ahead of you. At least a bright split ahead of you, if not a bright future ahead of you. So, congratulations. I, I think the way you speak and the way that you hold yourself is really impressive. Um, so if anyone did want to get in contact with you, if they were interested in any questions, if there was anything that they wanted to know, maybe there's uh, some way they can follow you. Where's the best places to do that? Yeah, absolutely. On tw- on Twitter, that would be uh, at ConorF95. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you don't stream or anything way. like that, do you? Not for now, but watch this space. Mod reviews coming soon. <laughs> nice, I like that. That's something that I think people need to do more and more because... I would love to learn from VOD reviews and if there's a wealth of those, if there's people that are talking about it in a bunch of different ways, different styles, different uh, viewpoints on the game, I think that's really beneficial. So I'm, I'll, I will be watching this space, but your your Twitter will be linked in the description if anyone does want to find that. Again, Connor, I appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I hope everyone's got as much uh, value as I have out of this because it's been a really, really interesting one. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you have, let me know. Uh, get in contact with myself or Connor after this one and I appreciate you listening and hope everyone has a wonderful day.